This is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolfe, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Welcome to episode 16. When pandemic strikes, online sex starts to look like the safest sex of all. But there's an art to sexting, or cybersex as the oldies call it. Join myself and erotic writer and literary critic Ariadne as we talk skills for getting off online. Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that, let's get into it. Hi, this is Georgie here. I'm a writer, sexual adventurer and independent escort from Melbourne, Australia. My mission is to talk honestly about all the stuff you need to know to have a great hookup. And by that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating amazing sex and walking away feeling good about yourself. This is an unusual kind of episode because it's happening right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. So opportunities for hooking up are looking pretty slim at the moment, but it's not a total disaster. Having sex online is totally a thing, and it's something that many of us have been doing for years. Whether you're into sexting, dirty talk on the phone, Skype sex, or just writing really hot slash fanfic and sending it to your crushes, there are so many ways to get off that don't involve meeting in person. Today, I'll be talking with Ariadne Starling. She is a writer, a literary critic, and a text-based erotic artist who's been doing some of this stuff for ages. Between her magic words and my experience with taking a good sexy selfie, I'm pretty sure we'll have a few useful tips to share with you. Hi, Ariadne. Hey there. Hey. Thank you so much for joining us for this chat. I'm pretty excited about this one. Me too. And thanks for taking the time out because you're currently in the middle of writing your thesis, if I recall. I am. My thesis on hardcore lesbian sex writing. Okay, and you're, so you're writing a thesis on hardcore lesbian sex writing porn? I am. <laughs> which is bloody fantastic. Any, any particular text or is it more of a, like a general? So I do, I do a 1990s era erotic lesbian literary fiction. So Sarah Waters, Jeanette Winterson, that crew. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, I mean, my taste in literature is so lowbrow. Uh, I don't think I ever get, get beyond the smutty sort of like $2 books that you buy on, um, on Kindle. Oh, yeah, you those know? are a goldmine, though. Like, there is treasure there. Oh, my God, there's such good stuff, and there's such queer stuff as well, like some kinky shit. It's just great. Oh, yeah. Just amazing. So, like, thanks for being willing to talk about this because you're probably, like, totally up to your ears in smut anyway right now. I am, but I love talking about smut and kind of made talking about smut my profession. So um, it's my jam. So what else is what else is your jam? Like, you, you're studying a thesis at the moment, and what other sort of stuff are you into? Um, So I'm studying a a thesis in sex writing, and I'm a freelance writer of hardcore erotica, serious literary fiction, and eclectic personal essays. I have yet to do all of those in the same piece, but I think if anyone can do it, it's me. I think it can, like, wouldn't that be glorious? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) A whole new genre. They'll just call it the starling. (laughs) Yep, trendsetter. Uh, Why not get all the good things in one package? Why not get something sexy and something thoughtful and something intelligent and intellectual at the same time? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is this is your thing. Like uh, across a whole load of different genres, you work with words a lot. I do. Mm-hmm. And how about in your personal life? Is this is this the kind of skill that you do use um, with your partners, or when you're getting sexy with other people, or does it stay in the professional realm for you? No, mine began in my personal life, and I moved it into my professional <gasps> and intellectual life. Oh, 
Will you tell us that story? I'd love to hear. Yeah, um, I've been a champion sexter for as long as I've had erotic desire, which is pretty much always. Uh, I was single for a very long time, so my relationship to erotic words was actually there before my relationship to lovers and partners was. That was part of my erotic life for a really long time. Um, and so then when I, yeah, when I had partners, I sort of brought that into my erotic life very quickly. Wow. So your fantasy life and your thinking about sex, you started to write about that before you actually started to experiment with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a spectacular erotic imagination. And as all of the erotic writers say, the imagination, the brain is the biggest erotic organ in the body. And that's the um, case for everyone. It's just we're often not aware of, of how much is going on in our heads as opposed to yeah. our bodies. Sarah Waters says that in an interview when she was asked about erotic literature and she said sex is about what's going on in your head, not what's going on between your legs. And erotic writing sort of comes from that principle as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every every sort of physical reaction we have has to has to start in the brain anyway. Absolutely. But we kind of neglect it, right? We assume it's all about uh, getting our bits involved when we often do. it's actually about our state of mind. Absolutely, which is you've just named the first principle of erotic writing and dirty talk. <gasps> Tell me. <laughs> which is that the thing that's sexy about dirty talk from, um, from the perspective of your partner is them getting to witness the sincerity of your desire. Uh, a lot of people, when they start erotic writing or they start dirty talking, they feel like they have to cram it full of a whole catalogue of what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. what's getting hard, what's getting wet, what's happening. But actually, it's actually it's what a, it's about what's going on in your brain. Um, and if your partner is into you, they're into the sincerity of your desire. That's what you want to express with erotic writing. There's a really good example of this. And it is from the series Sex Education on Netflix. Oh, my God, and I, don't I love know that so much. Have you seen the scene? So there's this couple and they're, they're, the lady wants her partner to dirty talk, but every time he tries, he just he, he just can't pull it off. Yes. And uh, and he, he comes, goes to see a sex therapist and, and says, well, help me. Like, what do I, what should I say? What are the words I should use? And what he eventually lands on is that it's not the words, it's how he says them. So instead of saying like smutty things to her, he ends up like naming objects in the house in a really sexy way while they're fucking like, oh, vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and, and it's just the way he says it. And she's totally getting off in it, even though he's not even mentioning anything remotely erotic. It's such a beautiful scene. And uh, just before that scene, there's a moment where she says, I'm a teacher. I spend all day in teacher mode. When I'm with my lover, I just want to feel sexy. When he's trying to understand, he's like, tell me what it is that you want from this. And she's like, I just want to feel sexy. Like I want to feel that someone desires me so much they can barely control themselves type thing. And, and this is sort of kind of interesting thing about going to this place because you're right. I think a lot of people, like we're sort of nervous about going into that sort of headspace where we're being, where we feel sexy or smutty or whatever, like it feels embarrassing or we're ashamed um, or it feels really vulnerable and weird, like we're going to look stupid. Yeah, definitely. And it is such a vulnerable thing to say to someone or to express to someone the idea of, I want you and this is how I want you, because desire makes you vulnerable. Oh, that's true, right? So even by saying what you want and what turns you on, you're opening yourself up to, to being criticised just because you're being sincere. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no other way to do it. You have to be willing to take that leap. But also, you want to be with a partner who makes you feel safe, a partner where you feel that they're not going to judge you. Yeah, because it, that's the, nothing's going to destroy the mood quicker. Not not the, not looking silly, but actually trying and have your partner be unsupportive, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow. So we've we've actually gone from zero to a hundred here, um, straight into the the really good stuff. Oh, that's always I'm kind, of, 
I always joke that everybody actually wants to talk about sex. It's just that most people need three or four drinks. And that's where I am at like 11 o'clock on a Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) And I've already had one drink, so I'm going to be fine. I'm day drinking today, which is, this is the depth to which I've sunk. (laughs) I'm kind of curious, like, have many of your friends been asking you for advice now? Because I know that a lot of us like single people are kind of stuck at home and we know that we can't actually uh, hook up with people physically. And then uh, there's a lot of people I know that are sort of trying to work out how to get sexy online, but because they've never even considered doing it before, they're all like, oh, God, what do I say? And how do I do this? And this is scary. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of the online communities, the sex pause online communities that I'm a part of are at the moment being like, how do we even connect now? We still have this desire, this craving for intimacy, but mm. we we have to stay in our homes with our blankets and our cat. It's almost a bit crazy, actually. Like, not actually not getting laid for a long time. I'm starting to go a bit nuts. You start to think that, uh, yeah, like swapping a sexy photo or getting to dirty talk someone on the phone might actually be just almost as good as actually shagging someone, uh, given the options. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's always been a professional hazard of mine because there's only so long you can actually read sex writing during a very boring work day before your sexual frustration is just at this enormous peak. So oh, knowing oh, no. what to do with that and sexting someone and sexting someone to say, I like you, I desire you, I want you. I don't, you know, we don't have to be together now, but I'm thinking about you and this is what I'm thinking is actually mm-hmm. a very sweet, very tender thing to do. That's also incredibly hot. And just a nice way to connect with your people if you have people that you can't see in person, a way to sort of keep a bit of that sexy feeling alive even when you can't you can't do it physically. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the sex that I send are about what I'm feeling even if that's just I'm so frustrated right now because I'm reading this passage and it reminds me of that moment when I had my fingers in you last weekend and you looked me in the eye and we were together there in that moment like so you can by being authentic you can just text simple things like a memory that you've had or something that you're looking forward to and talk about how that feels for you in that moment and it's that sincerity yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And you, like, again, a lot of people think it's coming up with something super sexy to say, but it sounds like that what you're sharing is just how you're feeling really honestly in the moment, right? Yeah, definitely. And you'll find that as you get more practiced in it, you may want to get uh, a little bit more creative. You want, you may want to um, start making narratives. But uh, one of the principles of dirty talk and writing erotica, it's one of the classic principles of creative writing as well, is show, don't tell. So instead Mm -hmm. of saying, I'm super hot for you right now, uh, I send sexts and I say things like, I'm remembering fucking you on the floor of that hotel. We'd been flirting and stroking for hours. When I dipped my fingers to your entrance, you were wet and waiting for me. I'm thinking of that right now and my whole body is waking up. There's a flush down my neck and I can barely concentrate on my word processor. Oh, did you just make that up on the spot? (laughs) Yes. So good. It's the details, right? Yes. It's not the, oh, you're making me so horny right now. It's the, uh, it's the you know, oh, my God, I started thinking about that time when we went away to that that beach house. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's the specifics, you know. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that makes a very hot sex writing is you can't actually go from zero to 100 immediately in sex writing. It's about the tease. It's about developing things. And hearing about the effect that fantasy is having on your body is far sexier than having yeah. someone say, I'm so aroused thinking about you. You say, mm, I'm starting to get a shiver down the back of my neck. My throat's mm-hmm. just gone dry without me noticing it. All of these tiny little indexes of arousal are such a huge part of erotic writing and dirty talk. I guess to tune into that, we have to actually tune into our bodies as well. So that could be kind of a good practice anyway, to actually tune into all those feelings in our bodies. It's going to make them even more 
um, intense anyhow. And then to sort of communicate that, like the whole process is probably pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the principle of mindfulness and the entire spectacular um, school of sex literature that is Tantra is basically in mindful arousal and mindful sexual practice, sometimes even just with mm. yourself. And just concentrating. So maybe even going, trying to communicate this stuff to someone else means that we're actually becoming more mindful about our own bodies and how we feel when we're turned on. And that's, a, that's really fucking awesome. I like teaching people in a really empowering way as well. So I say to people, you already know how to dirty talk, how to write erotica, because you know what turns you on. You can attend to that and expressing that to someone who is into you is going to be incredibly hot for them. So I can tell you that like, um, so I come from like a photography background. So I usually think really visually um, and I, I, know, I know how to take a good sexy selfie of myself, right? But what I don't know is how to actually, how to actually dirty talk without feeling weird or awkward or, or unsure of myself. So it's actually really cool to hear you uh, describing this stuff so confidently. Thank you. I've gotten very confident and very competent at it somehow, just accidentally by practice. But I really like sharing it, people, and I like teaching people these little principles. You know, you can take the principle of be authentic, tune into what your body's doing and describing your arousal, and then you can go from there. And the really important part is read your partner's arousal. If they're grinning at you, if they start to look really hungry all of a sudden, you can then work with that. And you can see the parts that really light up their eyes. Those are the parts that you can then focus and build on if you want to. Is it difficult when you're um, communicating with someone remotely, for example? Um, firstly, is it tricky kind of getting this stuff happening? And then once you get going, how do you get that feedback? How do you know that someone's liking what you're giving them? Sure. So it's really, really important to do your ongoing consent conversations with sexting the way you do with all the rest of your sexual practices. It's pretty bad when someone just starts telling you that they're masturbating without asking whether you want to know about it. Oh, and it can be super jarring. Like if I've done that before where I'm sexting someone and they've gone blank for a little while and I'm still sexting them, they've come back and they're like, I just got the worst passive aggressive text from my ex. Oh. And I'm like, oh, sorry, this is really jarring for you right now. So, you know, ongoing consent is really good. You can just ask questions like, are you green for some dirty talk right now? Yeah. Or can I share some smutty words I've been writing about you? Really simple. They could be on a work conference call and maybe they just can't be getting that stuff right now or can't give it their full attention. Or maybe they're with their mum and you don't want something like that popping up yeah. on the screen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think consent when it comes to getting sexy um, remotely, is it's not a thing we know how to do because I've chatted to tons of dudes online who just really randomly, and this isn't just dudes, I'm sure this is everyone, suddenly really randomly just sort of veer into into really full-on sexy stuff without even asking. Like we'll be talking about, hey, so what are you into? What are you looking for? And then suddenly some little switch goes in their heads and suddenly they go straight from, you know, this is the kind of thing I'm looking for to, oh, I'm, and I'm just totally going to get myself off right now. And I'm like, what the, dude, what, where did that come from? Like, come on, you need to ease in, right? And you need to ask and then ease in. Absolutely. Like I love a dirty conversation and I love some hardcore smut, but I really like vanilla conversation too. I like both of them. And this is the secret that the random spammers of the smut online don't actually realise, which is that having a conversation with someone who likes me as a person yeah. and expresses their interest is the single thing most likely to make me want to fuck them or sex them in the first place. It's the same as sex. Like you don't, as soon as you meet someone, you don't want to just bang them. You want to have that conversation and make that connection. And, and I think we're not used to thinking of online sex the same way. We think that the threshold for getting to know someone should be lower, that it's somehow less personal. 
but actually it's pretty darn personal and I still want to have have that conversation and have that connection. Yeah, absolutely. You want to know when you're expressing your desire that it's going to be wanted and received really well. Mm. And that's the same whether you're in person or not. It's still vulnerable. So it's still worth taking that time to make sure that you trust someone and to work out like whether you even like them at all. Because why would you sex someone uh, if you hadn't taken the time to work out if there was someone you even wanted to turn on or wanted to share stuff with? Absolutely. And the thing about sexting is the thing that is sexy to your lover about sexting is the authenticity of your desire and your connection with them. There is no perfect optimal combination of words that anybody can teach you, not even me, that will be sexy to everyone. It's about knowing what you like, what they like, and what you think might be a beautiful connection between you in that moment. It's interesting because listening to you talk about this, like I'm thinking about my process for for sexting, which is again usually pictures, and I'm, I have a really good like I have a really good process down now. Like I'll say, hey, do you want to swap a couple of photos? Like we've been getting along really well, and then I'll start off pretty PG rated, and then see what they send back, and then gradually just sort of escalate that um, until we get to what a le- whatever level of nudity or play or whatever we're comfortable sharing. Um, but I just don't know how to do that via with words, and even the idea of it makes me just feel super fucking nervous like what advice would you give to to someone like me who's like okay like I'm totally down for this but oh like I feel like I'm just going to freeze up the first time I try and say anything well one of the beautiful things about doing it remotely is you actually they can't see you you get a bit of a break and you get a bit of thinking space um one of the best uh sex tips I ever heard was if you're new to doing bondage to being a rigger and you don't know how to tie knots properly and you can't put a blindfold on very well Mm -hmm. just make the first thing you do put a blindfold on your lover so if you're looking around being like where's my paddle I've forgotten what to do and you're looking around really nervously they can't actually see you this is one of the beautiful things about sexting remotely is you actually get some time to compose. But again, it's mm. back to the first principle of be sincere. And one of the other creative writing principles is write what you know. So if there's something that you are comfortable talking about, start off with that. Say, I'm thinking about that moment a few weeks ago at the bar when you leaned over to give me a drink order and your lips stayed imperceptibly for a moment too long at your ear and I knew there was something between us. <gasps> yep. And I like the fact that you've highlighted a situation that I often find myself in, aka hitting on the barman. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I kind of feel like for beginners, maybe something um, something turn-based like texting or sending emails would be easier than just getting on the phone and trying to dirty talk or getting on Skype and trying to dirty talk because then I, I wouldn't have to come up with something immediately while someone was watch- looking at me or listening to me that I could have some time to compose something. Yeah, so doing it turn-based like by SMS or in better do it in an encoded app if you can like Signal Yeah, um, is a great idea because you've got time, you can luxuriate over the words, you can have a think about it. And not stress too much mm. that someone's really like waiting there for you to reply immediately because that would just stress me out and make it really hard to get in the mood. Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of creativity, performance-based anxiety. So if you put them on the spot, they'll freeze up. Mm. Um, when I'm doing scenes at some of the sex parties I attend, like Curiosity, I'm very aware of the fact that a lot of people have a very high performance anxiety and I love performing with people. So I try to just lower that anxiety as much as I can. And it's perfectly fine to have your own mechanisms for lowering that anxiety. So if the idea of trying to live compose something is terrifying and you wouldn't know where to start, just send it in a text. You've got time. You can see how it comes back and then it becomes that beautiful kind of back and forth. Mm. 
Yeah, okay. So fi finding the way in where you're not putting yourself in a situation where your anxiety is super high because that's going to ruin the mood anyway. Um, I kind of find – I do this with role plays. So if I'm if I'm actually doing like a kinky role play with someone in person, the way I access the hot stuff is by starting off silly. So we'll start doing a really ridiculous silly role play and then gradually turn down the silly and turn up the hot just as we start to feel more and more comfortable and less awkward. So sort of acknowledging that it's okay to start off awkward and then just to gradually get more and more serious. And then before you know it, it's all just like it's on and it's like hot as fuck and everyone's taking it super seriously. But it's really hard to start that really intense, serious thing immediately. It's too you know, stepping into it slowly makes it a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have a long-standing personal principle of I don't want to fuck anyone who isn't willing to laugh during sex. This is also true, right? <laughs> we can't take like ourselves too, too seriously. seriously. <laughs> and same for someone that's going to laugh at you. Like, that's just asshole behaviour. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sex and any kind of erotic connection, you need to feel relaxed and playful and maybe a little bit cheeky mm -hmm. to be able to get into that mode. And you can't do that if you're freaking out about impressing someone or if you're with someone who makes you feel like you have to perform something. So I think being comfortable and relaxed is really important. And if, and laughing is such a good way to get there. Yeah. And then you can sort of let go of the fear a little bit and maybe experiment a little bit more, knowing that if things get a bit funny, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's also worth um, stating that some of the most enjoyable dirty talking or erotica composing that I've ever done has been entirely humorous. It's actually beautiful. Really? It's Sometimes it just turns up on its own. I once had a lover who was fucking me while we were both composing a fantasy of having sex with a room full of robots in a Zeppelin moored on top of a castle. Oh, like, my it God. It was just ridiculous. To be honest, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> it's incredibly hot. My, <laughs> like, we were laughing and we were fucking. It was just great. My latest favourite story is having sex with a room full of climate scientists. Um, and it's like every time I bring it up, I'm joking, but I'm kind of not joking. Like that's also kind of really hot. And it's mm -hmm. that joking, but also not joking and turned on that it's a really nice combination. Definitely. And it eases into that playfulness so easily and you can switch modes. So if you're being really funny, you can always say, uh, the end of your joke trails off and I look at you with a serious expression, that expression you've only seen with my other lovers when I'm doming them in a way you've always been jealous of and you know you're in for it now. Like you can you can use these little lines to switch. Yeah, and play with it a bit with practice, I guess, um, you, to find yeah. out what actually works for you. How, how do you check enduring? So if you're in the middle of something and you're not sure if you've hit the right tone or you've hit the right level of silly versus sexy or the right subject, how do you how do you make sure that the other person's enjoying it as well if they're not giving you as much feedback as you might like, for example? Um, a lot of times you can use your non-verbal traffic light consent language. So you can see when they're enjoying themselves. I've mm -hmm. been dirty talking with lovers, specifically in dirty talking scenes at sex parties, where I've seen them very hot, very interested, but that brightness look that's in their eyes starts to look a little bit distracted. Their eyes start to wander. Their body yep. under my movement slows down. And I'm like, okay, that's starting to look like a non-verbal orange. So I'm just going to check in. Yeah, but you're not looking engaged. Yeah, yep. And I'm going to say something like, um, is this what you would like? Or is there anything you'd like to hear next? Or is there something that's been turning you on recently that you'd love to hear about? To try and get help get them get back on track or give them an opportunity to say, actually, I think I might. this isn't working for me right now, which you want to hear if, if it isn't working because the last thing you want is to be going for it with someone that isn't totally into it, same as for regular sex, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as they give you any kind of feedback, the first thing that you say is thank you because they're sharing with you. They're giving you a gift by sharing their boundaries with you. And that's beautiful. And we need to know what people do and don't like. And I guess, especially with this stuff too, and especially if it's new, there might be like a tendency if we try something with someone and it doesn't work to feel like we fucked up and we're failures or stupid. Whereas really just what works is going to be different for different people. And there's no shame in trying something and then both agreeing that that's not quite the thing that you're going for, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that takes a bit of confidence, but you learn how to you learn to get stronger with calling your own boundaries and with recognising other people's boundaries. So one of the most validating things that I think I heard when I first started attending sex parties was the sex therapists and counsellors who ran it said, at first it might take you a while to realise when the thing that you're feeling is an orange for you or a red. And sometimes the distance between when you feel the feeling and when you're able to call it, sometimes that's a week, sometimes it's a day or an hour or a moment. But as you get more experience, that time's going to get shorter. And you can um, pick And that it. doesn't mean you were doing anything wrong at the beginning. Yeah. And we should stop and explain at this point that what we've been referring to are traffic light safe words. And this is a like a series of um, like code words you can use to sort of show whether everything's okay. So green means this is great, keep going. Orange means this one particular thing we're doing right now isn't working for me. Um, and red means everything has to stop straight away. So this is something that I use uh, all the time, like online, um, in-person sex, all this sort of stuff. Um, but super useful because it means that you can just check in in the middle of something like this or something that's new and say, hey, so are we still green? And then if you don't get that green, uh, then you know that you need to stop, that something's not working. And the same for us too. If you're starting to feel like something's not quite right, to go, oh, okay, this feels like an orange to me, and then you need to tell someone. So this is a really good system rather than um, – you know, rather than having to say to someone, hey, so is everything okay? How are you doing? What's going on for you? And then have them try to come up with words in the middle of a sex scene, actually just being able to go, we still good, we still green, and getting that answer. Um, do you use that uh, like on for online and digital stuff very often? Do you find it easier in person to negotiate consent? I actually use it for everything. It's spilled out uh, into the too. rest of my life in the Oh, the most amazing ways. Like I was bra shopping with one of my partners the other day, which we both hate. Um, and she spontaneously just called a red. It was the first red I've heard from oh, her. She went yes. nuts on red on bra shopping. And I was like, oh, thank you. Let's fucking get out of here. So good. Can you imagine yeah. if husbands could call red on on like being taken clothes shopping? If your standard, you Absolutely. know, regular bloke could just be like, actually, no, I'm just red on being taken into Maya ever again. Like how cool would that be to never have to do something you don't want to do? Yeah, absolutely. And, and likewise for sexting and dirty talk, if someone says, hey, so like do you want to have a crack at sending some nude photos or, hey, do you want to do some dirty talk stuff, like getting a getting a red from someone, having them go, actually, no, nope, that's that's a red for me uh, or that's an orange for me isn't, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with sexting. It's just that it's not it's not for everyone, right? Absolutely. And the more you practice your traffic light consent words, the less personally you take things. And this is why the saying thank you thing that I was taught, I really love because instead of seeing a no as, oh no, I fucked up, I've done something wrong, you go, this person is articulating their boundaries for me and that's a gift and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'd rather know than not know. And I feel a lot less silly knowing yeah. what someone does and doesn't like than having them say nothing and then just getting halfway through and realising the whole time they they were just like, oh, God, this is awful because that, that's a humiliating feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd always want to know. And you want to know that you're 
relaxed and happy and having a good time. And so is your partner, regardless of the activity that you're doing, even when it's bra shopping. Yeah, even when it's bra shopping or especially when it's bra shopping. (laughs) Absolutely. Personally, I would really love it if all the people that I started chatting to on Tinder or online um, actually stopped and went, hey, this conversation's great, but I'd really like to get into some sexy stuff. Are you down for that? Like I just wish, I wish that someone would say that to me because, oh, my God, I would be so, so down for it if someone actually said, I've got this amazing dick pic here. I really want to share it with you, but do you, like, would you like that? Would that be something you'd be into? And, you know, even if I wasn't, hadn't thought of it pre- at the time, I'd probably be into it after they said that. Like just that act of asking is so fucking awesome. How hot is it, right? We have this weird double standard where when someone says, makes an amazing proposition or an amazing consent offer like that, we're like, oh my God, what a hot offer. Even like regardless of whether I want it at that moment or not, it's super hot. And yet we have this feeling like if we're going to proposition someone, oh, they're not going to want it or they're going to say no or something. But actually- And if they say no, it's going to be awful. Yeah, absolutely. But Mm. actually it's beautiful. And when someone propositions me, even if my answer is no, I respect them. I have this like beautiful affection feeling for them for asking me it's really cool it's really cool as opposed to sort of just lurching into it without asking and then fucking up which is what happens a lot I find when the online stuff because we don't know how to ask for this stuff we just sort of wait until we think things are getting a bit sexy and then suddenly we just lay it on someone and I just don't think that that's necessarily the way to go like I'd like I'd like a bit of warning and I'd like the question and then I'd like time to get in the mood and that gradual sort of increase rather than just bang picture of someone's dick or bang, like very descriptive sentence about what they're doing right now when uh, without any warning, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So um, do you personally, do you like have any um, privacy or safety stuff that you think about when you're um, when you're getting sexy online with your partners and such? I know you mentioned using Signal before. Yeah, using encrypted messaging is a great idea. Um, so Signal is one of the better ones, I think. Try to get off Messenger if you can. <laughs> because, you know, Facebook reads your messages and it's creepy. It does. <laughs> it is creepy. Um, Signal is end-to-end encrypted, Yeah, which basically just means all your stuff is scrambled between you and the person that reads it so that hackers can't get in and read your private messages or look at your photos. Mm-hmm. Also, password lock your phone, even just with a pin, and turn off your drop-down and your lock screen notifications because you don't want your counter flirts or your counter sex coming back with those big on-screen notifications when oh you're God. like watching Frozen 2 with your kids or you're at work. Visiting your mum and then someone's dick comes up on screen. Yeah, you, you don't want that happening, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> I was actually chatting with a um, digital security expert a couple of days ago and the very first thing he said was password lock your phone. Like for the Absolutely. most basic privacy thing, make sure your phone has a good password lock on it. Um and then, uh, yeah, and then make sure your texts aren't coming up because you never know when someone's going to get back to you and it could be two hours later and you could have forgotten and moved on and your phone could be sitting out on the dinner table. Yep, definitely. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> have you ever had a, a sexting disaster of that nature? I've got a pretty decent story I could share. No, actually, I want to hear yours because it sounds good. I have two, actually, uh, but they were, they were all after the fact. One was my mother scrolling through. Okay, so when you show your parents a picture of something you've taken on your phone, it's safest to assume that they're because they're nosy bastards, they're immediately going to start scrolling. Don't have naked <laughs> pictures of yourself on your phone. 
uh, right next to the ones that you you were trying to show them. That's not great. It's not great. Um, the other thing I did recently was I um, I was sitting at work um, in the office and I decided to sort some of my files because I was having a boring day and I found this folder and it just was called Untitled. <laughs> And so I'm like, what's in here? And I loaded it up. And what it was was a collection of every naked selfie any of my partners or ex-partners had ever sent to me. So they are, they are still on my computer, but they were all labelled untitled. And so I opened I opened them up and then suddenly, bang, huge screen-sized picture of someone's dick in the office. Luckily, no one was looking <laughs> and I was able to close it. Um, but it, it sort of showed to me that first they don't do that shit when you're at work but secondly like the amount of a lot of these pictures had both my ex-partners faces and their genitalia in them and I'm never going to um, I'm very respectful of people's privacy it makes me sort of wonder like down the track you don't know where the, your pictures are going to end up like you might trust the person that you're sending this stuff to but then 10 years later and three partners later can you still trust them so it sort of made me wonder how how much we think about the stuff we put out and whether we need to sort of um you know think more about what's going to happen years down the track and whether we should maybe you know decide what we're comfortable actually sharing I think so and I think that's kind of a lost art thinking about that stuff and what happens if in 10 years time you want to be a school principal or you want to run for parliament or you piss off a bunch of hackers or you know all three of them like me in 30 years but I come from a generation where um, I'm not a digital native. It was something that kind of came around in my teens. So mm-hmm. I don't take always on share everything culture for granted. But I'm wondering if mm. I'm kind of one of the last generations to really think about that stuff and not just have been born into it. In a way, I feel like I'm lucky because I can be more cautious and think about all of that stuff. Like if mm. I were a teenager on the internet now, I feel like that would be a really rough kind of road. Well, yeah, but there's also more awareness. Like, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 34. Oh, cool. So we're roughly around the same age. So I feel like we might be same generation. Like, we've had to to learn that a lot of our stuff will be on the internet forever. Whereas you're right, I think young, a lot of younger people are just like, yeah, this is how it is. Like, this is this is normal. And it's easier to automatically mm. think of that. that. Or maybe they're resigned. Like, maybe I'm a bit resigned to my naked photos being out on the on the internet. Um, I've lost so many of my mobile phones without passcode locks that have naked pictures of me on them. I'm sure they're <laughs> floating around everywhere. Amazing. Future anthropologists will find these treasure troves in a dump somewhere. <laughs> they are treasure troves, let me tell you, because I take of a course. fucking good selfie. <laughs> I am um, certain you do. I certainly do. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say that most of them don't have my face in them. And that's a it's a good thing Excellent. to know. Like, I don't really care where pictures of my junk end up as long as my face isn't attached. So, uh, you know, I'm not losing sleep over it, whereas I understand it could be different for other people. Maybe they might be losing sleep. And I don't know if this applies to text-based stuff. Like, uh, I know that if you, say, if you video Skype with someone, they could record that. But if you write someone a really steamy story, maybe the risk is a little lower, the exposure a little lower. It can be, although I did once have a partner who had a phone so old it started sending chunks of old texts they had sent me attached to their new texts. This is the moment we got them a new phone because they were like, holy God, if anything you've ever sexted me ends up going to my manager, I would just die of embarrassment. I guess so this is a risk, right? Or if you've got some really full-on like um, kinky story or something that a lover has sent you and you accidentally attach it and send it to your workmates, you know, this is stuff that has happened, right? 
or even if you want to start sharing things, like if you want to write erotica on the internet, if you want to publish any kind of fan fiction, even in an amateur kind of way, your name is going to be attached to that for a really long time. This is one of the reasons I've got a publishing pseudonym. A lot of my peers in erotic writing have publishing pseudonyms for that reason. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of knowing that you can put it all out there and that uh, you won't, it won't be coming back to bite you if you decide to get a like a, a straight job or or run for um, run for president. Yeah, and look, the, the, the division is not going to stay up forever, especially if you start getting any kind of renown or you start appearing at life events. But you just want to make it so that when you're going for a job, like me, teaching literature at a girls' school or something, uh, oh. that your employer is not going to see every piece of hentai erotica you've ever written <laughs> on their first Google search. I'm always just going for plausible deniability. I, I know that I could be outed or someone could see a, a picture of my butt and work out that it was me, but I just want the ability to go, look, you know, like it's all, this is all guesswork. You don't know for sure that that's me. That's all that I need. So we call that plausible deniability. It's just, okay, fine. You think that might be me that talked about my fetish for like um, fantasizing about one-legged pirates or whatever, but uh, but you're not, you're not, it's a different name. So you're never going to know for sure. So fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you want people to have to do a lot of work if they want to make that connection. Like most employers, they don't want to have to do that much work. And then when they do, you can just be like, look, you know, you got no proof, so I'd just drop it if I were you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Could you blame yeah. it on like a really dodgy sister or something? Yeah, or like, oh, that person looks heaps like me, but like don't assume it is me. There's a lot of people in the world, you know, which has been my yeah. go-to in case anyone from my civvy life ever sees my headshot in the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they do look like me. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that stuff you need possible deniability for, for sure. Right. <laughs> so I don't want to get too down on this whole process. Like I know I've talked about anxiety and awkwardness and consent issues and bloody um, – you know, privacy issues. But when it comes down to it, like sexting can be like so much fun. I, I, I fucking love sexting partners. It's such a hot way to interact. And it's definitely, I definitely don't want to suggest that the the downsides outweigh the good stuff, right? I mean, definitely. Well, when you're talking about sex, it's always pleasure and danger. It's, it's like risk and fucking glory. It's part of the package. And that's the same when it's sexting. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability and being vulnerable to someone, which is why it's so hot, because you are making yourself a little bit vulnerable. Absolutely. And the the connection and the vulnerability is part of what's going to be so hot for your lover. Yeah, you're right, that that you're revealing yourself to them just a little as well. Absolutely. And this kind of need that you have for them. Think about when someone texts you, even when they just text you that they're thinking about you. You're like, oh, that's really nice. You know, you're in a, a kind of a work a day where you're having to do all of this work. You're being instrumentalized. And then you have mm-hmm. this little moment of connection where someone out there is thinking about you and you've brightened their day. And that's beautiful. And that's kind of the heart of sexting as well. My favorite of those types of messages is I cannot concentrate on my work today because thinking about you is distracting me so much. That's my gold standard that's the text I like to get how beautiful is it right I send and receive those even when the work that I'm doing is literally sex writing I'm like my sex writing about you is distracting me from my own sex writing (laughs) oh oh, what a what a great problem to have I'm pretty envious of your job (laughs) it's pretty good it has its perks and um are you are you much of a visual um, sextra as well or do you find do you tend to end up with partners where you both really appreciate the text-based stuff are you both really all into writing um I think I'm both so I'm super heavy on sexting and language and dirty talking mm-hmm. um, but a lot of my partners send photos we send a lot of really innocuous photos like if someone sends me something beautiful 
and I find myself compulsively smiling into my phone in the middle of doing the dishes or whatever because I heard their notification. As soon as I feel my face break into that smile, my head, my brain goes, oh, they would really want to see this. So I usually take a photo of my face looking at this photo you just sent me. Oh, that's um, great. I send a lot of very sweet, yeah, a lot of really sweet messages like that. Lots of super trashy, slutty ones as well, which is beautiful. But also just here's the smile that you brought to my face this morning. And again, those details, not that makes me happy, but here's a picture of me smiling so you can see how happy I am that you sent that. Absolutely. Or they can read the hunger in my eyes. So I'll be like at the gym in my workout gear with this look like I've just seen something shocking with the caption that just says, (laughs) so this is how hungry I look reading that sex. Right. And then you know. I'm kind of wondering whether maybe everyone does have different preferences. Like do you find that, um, say, if you like to write, erotic stories for someone that that person might prefer to send you pictures or they might prefer to dirty talk that everyone might have their different the different way of communicating yeah absolutely and so I often a lot of people like dirty talking but some of them are like oh you know what I actually find this a bit frustrating especially if I can't see you for a stretch of time yeah um and so you want to sometimes that stuff's fun like that build-up is fun but other times it just wears you down So Mm -hmm. it's always just good to check what they're like. Some people are very visual, some are very tactile, some are into videos, some are into language. The beautiful thing about eroticism is you can have it in absolutely any combination of media that you want, and it's absolutely different Mm -hmm. for every single person. And and you you can give something out and then someone else can send you something different back, and it's not a tit-for-tat thing. It's like it's whatever everyone feels comfortable sharing and whatever medium they feel most comfortable in. Yeah, absolutely. And the comfort is so important because you have to feel relaxed and happy and a little bit cheeky to get into an erotic mode. And so whichever medium you're most comfortable in is often a really good one to start in. Oh, oh! I just remembered something that I've I've done quite often that really helps. Um, so often because I feel I feel nervous about just sending something out without any warning and not knowing if someone will like it, I'll actually say, hey, like, so you know, I'm, I'm super turned on and I'd love to send you something sexy. You tell me what you'd like to see. And then they get to, they get to reply and go, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd really like to see you doing X or I'd really like to see a picture of X or I'd really like to hear about one of your fantasies. And then I know that I'm giving them something that they that they really want I'm not just like fishing around in the dark so I found that quite helpful yeah absolutely like that is gold standard consent practice and it's super hot because you get to hear about their desire their desire and you get to tailor what you're doing to those needs which is always it always makes for the hottest smut or uh sexting photographs Mm. anyway and a lot safer because I'm not I'm not worried that that person's then gonna go oh god what did you just send me because they specifically asked um, the trick is just getting them to ask because sometimes they're so shy that they that they don't want to actually ask for the thing that they want. But once we get past that bit, then I know that I'll be giving them what they want so I don't need to worry that I'm going to be judged or shamed. Yeah, and everyone wants something completely different. So I had my lover where we had sex in a room full of robots in a Zeppelin ward on top of a castle. But oh another God. time I offered someone, I was doing a sort of a dirty talk scene at a sex party and I said, okay, tell me what you want to hear in a fantasy, anything you want, as outrageous and impossible as you want. Um, and this guy said with great enthusiasm, could you write me a fantasy of my wife? And I was like, oh, bless you. That's beautiful. Yes, tell me about her. That is so wholesome. It was so, so beautiful. Can, can I put you on the spot and ask you to come up with like a, like a five-line mini story for a friend of mine who would really, really appreciate this? Sure. Do you have any? What would you like it to contain? Okay, so she comes. Her name is um, Miss Smart Buttons, and she comes on my podcast quite often. And we've had this continuous refrain. She has a kinky fantasy about a um, was it a 
a pirate and a goat with a peg leg. And she's never actually specified what what actually happens, but it's come up two or three times and it's a running joke for us now. Uh, but also I think pirates are really fucking hot. So if someone came to you, say if we were if we were sort of getting floaty and I went, oh, my God, I have such a thing. I have this fantasy about this pirate who has a like a I'm not I'm not suggesting you write bestiality porn. He just happens to have a pet goat. Please don't feel it in to involve the goat. Um, you know, like pirate <laughs> yes. porn. Like how would you <laughs> how would you get a start on that one? I guess the most important part when you're dirty talking is work out the mood and the tone and what the person uh-huh. is looking for because the mood uh-huh. and the tone is more important than the content. So this is uh, something you would be writing for. Was it Miss Smut Buttons? Yes, and she's one of those people like me that starts out silly but then there's that underlying horny. So I guess I'd be mm-hmm. sort of – I guess I'd just come in pretty silly and bombastic and then start to sort of get like a, get a bit sexy – uh, get some sexy undertones coming through rather than trying to just come in and be sexy straight off. Okay, sure. And you'd like me to live compose something for you now? Oh, if you can. Like, this is a fucking superpower. Is that something, like, yeah, if you're down. Yeah, all right. Uh, how much time do we have till the end of the podcast, Georgie? Okay, we have, like, 10 minutes. But honestly, like, give us, like, a 60-second or, a, like, a two-minute or something. Like, you know, super, super short. Show, show me your genius at work. Yeah, sure. All right. So one of the ways you can start funny is you can make something self-reflexive or you can put actual you in it. So let's say I'm lounging around in my bed and you, my partner, Miss Smut Buttons, comes home from work. There's pirate porn all around me. I discovered your stash while you were away. I guess you thought I wouldn't find it, but mm, bad luck for you, I did. (laughs) I tell you to throw your work clothes away and put your bags in the corner and obey me. You do, but I see a glint in your eye that suggests that you're going to fight me back a little. I don't know how, but I'm sure we'll find it out. I'll instruct you to crawl towards me, but you don't. You shimmy, shaking your hips. (laughs) Your piercings start to jingle. You've got 12 of them. Bells in every orifice. (laughs) I start to laugh compulsively. (laughs) I see you laugh at the power of my laugh, and I think, ooh, I need to get some control back here. I stop my laughing and I snap at you. Silence. Silence for me, your captain. You coo back at me. Ooh, my captain, is it? What can I do for you, my captain? I say, ooh. You can start at my toes with your tongue and move your way up my leg. Aye, aye, you say in a purr. You move your tongue to my leg. But it's super fucking tickly, those gorgeous tender little hairs, and I start laughing again. Suddenly I'm laughing and you're giggling and we've ruined the mood. Terrible, whatever we do to get it back. (laughs) Silence once more, I say. Never seen such insubordination before. You may have to be punished, but not yet. I tell you, you're going to move your way up my leg, but not yet. I open your very favourite pirate porn, the one-armed pirate. The one I've seen you flicking in the corner of my eye when you think I'm not looking. The one whose pages are the most dog-eared. I open it to a spread of the most depraved crew you've yet seen. I pointed it. And I say, I hope your evening is clear because I'm going to make you do this all night long until I am satisfied. Poor Miss Smart Buttons, I hope you had no other plans for this evening, you are mine. Oh, oh. 
Oh, that was fucking fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So you literally did all the things that you mentioned earlier. I was paying attention. You you started off with a, uh, like you said, bringing your partner in and making it a situation and you started off a bit funny and then you were also mentioning the specific details as well and dwelling on those details, which was incredible. And then you took a bit of a detour halfway through to have a giggle again, which was awesome. Indeed, most of my dirty talks go that way. It's kind of delightful. <laughs> ah, it's wonderful. I have, I have this inability to take myself too seriously at the best of times. So just being able to sort of just find that fine line between uh, hilarious and like actually really sincerely fucking vulnerably sexy and just, just sort of sit right on that edge is really, really great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, one of the other principles is, if possible, include – so one of the things that's really hot in any kind of narrative is a little bit of mystery or a little bit of tension that needs to be overcome. Mm-hmm. So one of the kind of writer's tricks when you're dirty talking is put something in there that has anticipation or hesitation around it. You don't even have mm-hmm. to know where it's going to go, but put it in there. So I'll say you got home from work, harried. Uh, and you, you throw down all of your bags in the hall. But there's one I haven't seen. It's black with a kind of uh, embossed stitching and a gold handle that catches the light. You throw your bags down and you hope that I haven't seen it, but I have. And then I see your eyes and you know that I have too. I'm trying to imagine what's in it. Mm, what do you have in store for me? Shall we find out? The thing is, I as the author, yeah, like I do not know as the author what is in that bag yet. Right. <laughs> like, I'll work that out when I get there. This is the one literary thing I know, and it's called Chekhov's gun. It's like if you're reading a story and someone's left a gun on the counter, there's a reason it's there and it's going to pop up later in the story. So it's like, you know, I came home and found my partner in bed. There was a inexplicably an aquarium full of turtles that uh, that I'd never <laughs> noticed before. Like, and you know, you know, right? You know there's the, that that's going to come back to bite you, maybe not, maybe literally in this case. <laughs> so it's it's dropping those little hints in there uh, and you can do this visually too so I really love um coming home and taking a picture of you say a package or taking a picture of a new toy or uh you know something like that and sending it to a partner and go going look look what I've got you're going to see more of this later and it's just a picture of vibrator oh. but right but you're just setting the scene mm, absolutely or like a pre, because I do a lot of running in the morning, like a pre-running photo saying, oh, my God, I'm just going out to smash out a run. Like this is going to make me so fucking horny. You can expect some sweaty pictures later. Um, and just setting up that sort of expectation for more explicit stuff later where you're setting up a story rather than just out of the blue sending a naked photo. Absolutely. It's the tease and the narrative and it's something mm-hmm. that's a little bit withholding. I mean, this is what gets you hooked. Yep. That's kind of the central principle of narrative. Yeah, yes. And even if even in a regular sexy exchange, showing a little bit of something and going, hey, so did you want to see more of that? Like it's almost a rhetorical question because we know that they want to see more of that. But then you want them to come <laughs> yes. back and go, oh, my God, yes, that looks so fucking hot. I really want to see more. You should take your shirt off. Like we want, we need that feedback and we also want that little like exchange of escalation to draw it out. 
that it makes it so much sexier than just taking a full body fucking nude and just sending it off. Absolutely. And this is one of the great things about sexting in particular, but it also works in the visual arts, which is that eroticism is simultaneously in the past, the present and the future. So when I'm describing a hot memory and it's making my cunt start to pound in the present and I'm anticipating all of the dirty things I'm going to do to you when I see you next, that's the past, the present and the future at the same time. And you get to work with all of those in dirty This is the Dan Savage principle of dirty talking. He's like, say what you just did, say what you're doing now, say what you want to do. It's past, present, future. Like, you know, I fucking loved it when we um when we got it on last week and I'm thinking about it right now as I'm getting myself off. I can't wait to go down on you, you know, on our next date. Like, you know, it doesn't need to be complicated stuff. It's just covering off all those those points right yeah and if you don't know where to go next like if you're dirty talking and you've gotten a bit stuck or you thought of something hot but you've sort of run out of images you can always move to a different tense so you can move to the past of things you're remembering move to the present which is what is your body mindfulness check in what is your body doing now what is your index of arousal um or the future what you're anticipating and where that's going to lead because all of those things are hot to your lover and those are the things that kind of flesh out dirty talking and eroticism and switch it up a bit, sort of change it up. So if you're saying, oh, my God, you feel so good right now, uh, I can't wait to do X, and you've moved, you've shifted from present to future. So you're sort of like you're changing the dynamics around a bit and keeping it interesting. Yeah, and it's really exciting because as a, as a listener, as an audience, you don't know where it's going to go next. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to just sticking with the one thing all the time. Yeah. This is That's a good pro tip, actually, just to switch between those tenses, right, because then you're always going to be staying a little bit creative rather than just focusing on the one thing. Definitely, and it kind of enriches and fills out the erotic experience because erotic practice itself is always in the past, the present, and the future. It's your previous sexual experiences that have built you into the erotic self that you have now. It's the experiences that you're having in the present and what your body and your mind is doing. And it's your anticipation of what's going to happen next, whether that's the next moment or 10 minutes from now or in an hour or after we shower. And so all of those things happen simultaneously during sexual practice, but sometimes we forget about them in things like sexting. So teasing those out is actually a really sort of enriches an erotic experience. Mm, and a way to have that sort of that full experience by considering all that stuff that's really fucking great that's a really good tip thank you you're welcome oh um so i like this has been a really good chat i'm trying to think of we've covered so much ground here i'm trying to think of some of the key stuff we talked about just so i can sum up so i think it sort of felt like starting out at the beginning we were talking about um that it's it's okay to feel awkward and that it's about, it's sort of about being vulnerable, that, that the reason this stuff is hot is because we feel a little bit exposed, that that's kind of important to, to be honest and be in the moment. And, and then I guess what was, the, what was the next tip after that? Then we kind of talked about specifics. So talking about rather than just saying I'm horny, talking about specifically how your body feels and concentrating on how your body feels. Yeah, attending to your own desire and that of your partner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, and then we covered off a little bit about consent and that sort of thing. So asking first, checking enduring, uh, and using traffic lights, which is super useful, your green, orange, and red, um, rather than trying to ask someone to write you an essay to tell you how they're feeling, just to be able to say, hey, are we still green on this? Are you still enjoying this? That that, that really helps. I must say everything I write turns into an essay, but I know that other people like simple questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think it actually says that in my dating profile. Everything I write turns into erotica or essays or essays on erotica. So if you're not on board with that, 
just be warned. <laughs> yeah, my, my dating profile is pretty much like uh, if you hang out with me, you will end up getting up to some weird sex shit. And if you're not down with that, <laughs> then it's best not to engage. So I feel like having these sort of disclaimers is kind of useful. <laughs> Cool. And then we talked a bit about privacy and security, like password protecting your phone, not opening up unlabeled folders full of unlabeled images when you're at the office, which is probably not a problem right now because of the whole lockdown thing, but still. Um, not, not allowing texts and images to pop up automatically on your screen. All very good advice. <laughs> um, and then what? And then lastly, I guess, um, talking about finding that sort of edge between hilarious and serious, that it's okay to not take yourself too seriously. Hmm. Does that sound about right? Did I miss anything? No, sounds good to me. Oh, and then, then the, the past, present, future, what, what you've done in the past, what's happening right now and what you want to do, that switching between those can really keep things interesting because you're not, uh, you know, it keeps things dynamic and it means you're always thinking of new things to say without just getting stuck in the one mode. So that, that was really super helpful too. Absolutely. See, you are all budding erotic writers. And I really hope that this inspires some people to give it a go because definitely um, I think especially you coming up with such a great story just immediately on the spot just sort of made me stop and go, oh, my God, you could, that can be done. Like, you know, I almost want to have a crack. It would be really pr probably pretty um, awkward, but, geez, it's such a fucking good skill to be able to just come up with something off the top of your head. Like, thank you. That was really cool. You're welcome. It's my superpower I accidentally got from just reading a tremendous amount of sex writing and dirty talking to people over a really long period of time. I'm trying to work out what to do with this superpower now. Have kind of options blooming <laughs> in my future. Use your powers for good. Yes, or for bad, <laughs> or for naughty. <laughs> this is relevant because you actually do do this commercially too. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? I do. So my published writing is up at my author site, which is ariadnestarling.com. Uh, and I'm thinking of running some extremely salacious sexting dirty talk and erotic workshops soon. So if that sounds like an idea of fun, by all means, sign up to my newsletter and you'll be the first to know. So come have some smutty fun oh my with God. me, I say. I'd actually be down for that. Let me know when it happens. I would like <laughs> to attend and Wonderful. I'll definitely share all the details um, with all our listeners as soon as that's up. Just let me know. Sounds delightful, I shall. Where else can people find you? Are you on social media? I'm on Twitter under ariadnestelling.com. My posts and my feed is generally a combination of serious economics, journalism, and posts about the new fisting emoji that was long overdue, <laughs> but that we have now received on iPhones. What, what does it look like? What's the new fisting emoji? I'm way behind on this bit of news. So it was great because there's the, the, obviously the clenched fist emoji and there's a couple others. You can get one that's got one finger in the air and one that's got two fingers in the air. But they recently released one that's kind of got that duck bill shape. And so people were celebrating this and going, finally, we've got a full fisting series from one finger, two finger, duck bill shape, and then clenched fist. Full fist. So you could do that whole progression. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even talk about emoji sexting. But clearly that's a thing now, thanks to the fisting emoji. Oh, yes. <laughs> that must be for another podcast, I imagine. <laughs> the emoji sexting, yeah, I'll, say, I'll save that one. There's probably a lot there, especially now that the eggplant <laughs> has been saved. But let's, don't even let me get started on that. Thank you so much for talking today. I think we've, we've um, talked about some really good stuff. I feel like you've shared some incredible tips that have definitely changed the way I think about, um, like, sexy talk. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. The only thing I love more than getting people off is talking about getting people off and teaching how to get people off. So I love it. Thank you. I can't wait for the workshop and I'll post all those details up as soon as they're available. See you later. 
Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. If you want more, why not read my book? Check out artofthehookup.com for all the details. Please share this podcast with anyone you think might need it. Spread the word as well as the love, and let's make the world of hookups a better place. 